Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about talk now. About now to talk about. She's taking care of her voice, so you know that she's not going to shout now. shout now. She's not going to shout. So get your headphones ready to hear what it's all about. It's all about now when it's all we'll about. We'll have no fun, no fun, because your trip is back to school No fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast episode 414. Who even knows anymore? What's with all these hiatuses I've been doing? Hi, everybody. How have you been? It's me, Jen Kirkman. I am your host. I'm a comedian, although I just retired last weekend. Well, from touring, but I probably won't be getting up on stage. It's a whole thing. Uh, But I was a comedian, or I guess I still am. I mean, can't take away what I've done. But a comedian, author, I've written books. I'm not currently writing, but I still call myself an author. A TV writer, currently writing on a TV show. A podcaster, I have another podcast called Anxiety Bites, where I try to help people out with anxiety by interviewing experts. And then this podcast, No Fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast. The second to last episode of 2021, I will say the cliche thing, this year went by fast. I also think 2020 went by fast. I know for a lot of people... In the pandy, I mean, not that we're not still in it, thought 2020 went by slow. I was enjoying myself because I was having some time off from travel. I wasn't really not working the whole time, but I had some significant periods of, well, I had 16 months of not having to travel for work, but I also had, I think, like a few weeks here and there at a time where I didn't do any projects and Oh, I just really enjoyed watching TV like a person. You know how people watch TV sometimes? I don't usually do that. And I got to do it. Watch movies, read. Oh, God, I miss it. I, oh, I, I don't mean I miss the pan, pandemic lockdown. I, I just miss that kind of free time. I haven't – I only have about three spare hours a week. <laughs> I'm just like I, – I can't even get into it right now. Oh, what are we going to talk about mm, this week? Well, don't you worry, because I've prepped. I've prepped the app. Oh, my God. I just got my COVID test results. We get tested once a week at work. Everyone has to be vaccinated. I think we even all have to be boosted. We're all oh, I'm negative. Take that, haters. Um, just texting my friend from work. Just got my test back. Negs. I had like a mild freak out today. I have no symptoms of COVID-19 and I am triple vaxxed, but I did shows in Brooklyn last weekend, five shows, uh, audience of a hundred each show. And it's in a small, low ceiling, unventilated basement with no windows. 
Mm, um, I'd say 90% of the audience wore masks. You had to be vaccinated to get in. They checked it twice, just like Santa checking his list. But fuck, I mean, I'd actually, it's bizarre how the minute I got vaccinated, the minute I got vaccinated, you, you know, I mean, not the minute, but once it was past the two weeks and you know you're kind of protected, then I just have never truly had any anxiety about it. I was having anxiety about COVID when we were in the lockdown and I would get these psychosomatic symptoms or I'd wake up with a sore throat. And that was probably just from like acid reflux or something, but you know, you never know. And I would feel like I had a fever and I swear to God, I was making myself have symptoms. And I was like, I, I bet I have it. I really feel like I have it. And and I would get tested every once in a while. I would seriously just like sometimes just be unable to open the email with the results because I was so nervous. I was really feeling as though this this is this could go either way. It's 50-50. I don't know why I thought I might have it because I really wasn't going anywhere, but I just didn't know. I don't know how contagious it is. At a certain point, they're like, oh, well, it can, you know, travel up through your bathroom pipes. And I lived in a, you know, apartment building. Oh my God. And now I'm out bopping around, going to work. People don't wear masks in the writer's room, but you wear masks once you go into the hallway and go to the bathroom and in the elevators. But, you know, on the subway or if I take an Uber, but, um, you know, if I go into a restaurant, there's, you have to be vaccinated. Again, you know, there's breakthroughs, whatever. Omicron. But I, yeah, I had like a moment today where uh, I had heard from someone that I work with that, you know, we get tested once a week. And it usually we get the results within 24 hours or 12 hours sometimes, but that if you have COVID, you'll get a phone call instead of an email. And so I was waiting for my results tonight. It's around 9 p.m. right now. And I took the test this morning at like 10.30 a.m. And so I was thinking, okay, I might go to bed before the test results come in. And then all of a sudden, my phone rang from this weird number that I didn't recognize. And I thought, oh, this is my, co I have COVID. I tested positive. I, the weird number, I tried to call it back. It wasn't even a working number. I didn't know what was happening. And uh, and I, I had this moment where I thought, I think I have it because I was in that unventilated basement. But I don't. But it was like a two-second worry. Um, I didn't really think that when I was on stage. And if I really thought that was at any risk, I probably wouldn't have done the shows. But in a, in the weirdest way for me, just because I'm neurotic, but I guess I'm not as much anymore. I can't believe how much, like, without even thinking, it felt totally normal to just do those shows. I mean, it's strange. It's strange that I literally, truly just feel like I'm not going to get it. Uh, I guess that's normal because I'm vaccinated, but always good to be cautious and wear masks is my point. I guess, you know, I would never stand in front of unvaccinated people breathing at me. So I, I guess there is a normal level of caution. Oh my God. Could, hey, could this episode be more boring? Woo! How is everybody's Thanksgiving? I know that's how long it's been. Can you believe how long it's been since we've chatted? Well, not for my Patreon subscribers. They get bonuses like every 10 minutes. But was your Thanksgiving good? I I was a quick trip back to Massachusetts. I, here in Brooklyn, at my writing job at Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, we had the Wednesday, I think, well, no, we had the Tuesday before Thanksgiving off. And I went home in the middle of the afternoon. I, I don't know how I did it, but I picked the perfect flight times both days. So I left at 1 p.m. on Tuesday from JFK to Boston. And you go, why would you fly? Because here's why. I live in Brooklyn. JFK is in Queens. It's if there's no traffic, which there really isn't at 1 p.m., 
than easy peasy ride to the airport, half hour maybe. Get on that JetBlue, 40 minute flight to Boston. And that, so now you are somewhere very well ventilated, an airplane is very well ventilated, and you've got a mask on. And everyone has to wear a mask. And there is someone coming around making sure you're wearing it. And it's 40 minutes. As opposed to an Amtrak, which is four and a half hours, even the fast train, Acela, I think the fastest that is, is maybe three, three and a half. But it is not ventilated like an airplane. I believe you have to wear your mask, obviously, but there's not, conductors aren't going up and down like a flight attendant. And people probably don't have to wear masks. Like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? People can take their mask off and probably not get caught. And I didn't want to sit there for that long with a mask on. I mean, just no to that. So I didn't. And also, it's such a pain in the ass going to Penn Station. I had suitcases. Then I'd have to take a car all the way into the city, which is kind of a long drive. And the traffic is shitty. I don't want to take a subway with a suitcase. You know, then the Amtrak is nowhere near where my sister lives. And there's no car rental place near it. And I would have been at the mercy of my parents picking me up. Airport easy. I land. I rent a car. I'm on my way. I love to rent a car. I have my freedom. Free dump. Some people think freedom is carrying an assault rifle to a Burger King. I think it's renting a car at the airport. Weigh in in the comments below. Just kidding. Anyway, but I picked the perfect time. So I get to Boston Logan Airport at, well, actually my plane was late. So that was a little bit of a fuck fuck. But, you know, I landed at Logan, I don't know, 334. So that that was the only bad part because then I get my car rental They give me a Jeep, which is fine, but I didn't really know how to, it's not like I had to figure out how to drive it per se, but it just felt weird. It doesn't, it feels weird. I don't like the shape of it, but so it did take me a a hot second to just kind of get comfortable, figure out, you know, how to move the seat up, back, all that kind of thing. But by the time I hit the road, it was perfect traffic hour in Boston, like 4 p.m. on Tuesday, going from the city to the suburbs. Everyone's getting the fuck out of town, leaving work early. So yeah, it was a little trafficy, but it was fine. But that, but in that, like the airport was not crowded. I mean, I'm TSA pre-check anyway, whatever, no big deal. But it wasn't like, it honestly looked like a Hallmark movie where they're showing an airport and you think no airport is ever that quiet. It was pretty quiet at the airport. And then I chose Friday, Black Friday, to return back to New York around the same thing, like a one o'clock flight. So you are driving from the suburbs into the city around like 11 a.m. There was no traffic. I mean, I could not believe how fast I got to the airport. And there was really not that many people in Boston Logan. And then I get back to JFK, easy ride back home. And then I saw something on the news, was on the local news in Massachusetts. It said, the best times for holiday travel, the worst day to travel is Sunday, blah, blah, after Thanksgiving. And the second worst day is Saturday, Friday, Black Friday, surprisingly good travel if you do it top of the afternoon. So there you go. My instincts were correct. I don't know. I don't have any many stories about Thanksgiving. I mean, I had fun with my family. There are videos galore on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman at three or $5 a month. You can see multiple videos of me and my family. My mom... My mom just going off about, uh, you know, she, these men at the casino she goes to, they don't, you know, she's going to say the F word. If she wants to swear, she's going to swear. And as she gets older, she doesn't give a fuck. Some of these older men, they got a problem with it. My sister is my mom kind of drunk talking about religion. My mom saying Jesus is okay for some things, but you really want to get into the Virgin Mary. I mean, my mom got a thing against Jesus. It is so funny to me. Well, he's sort of, um, you know, no, I mean, he's fine. I'm like, the, the religion is centered around Jesus. He is on a cross at the front of the church. Christmas is about his birth <laughs> and Easter is about his death. It's all about him. I know the Virgin Mary, major player, major player, obviously. Well, they wouldn't be in Jesus without her. Well, I know, Mom, but technically they say God is 
the reason she's pregnant with Jesus. I, I don't know. I don't know. Jesus is good for some things, but <laughs> I mean, I've just never, it's my favorite thing. I don't know why. I just find it to be one of the funniest things in the world. Like she is deciding. for the rest of Catholicism. Now, now Jesus is, and we don't need to, we don't need to involve him in in the whole thing, in the whole religion that's centered around him. I'm not, I'm not uh, debating it. I'm not even a religious person, but I don't know. It just makes me laugh. Makes me laugh. So if you want to join that, you might as well. Anyway, I threw up on the flight. How, how's that for burying the lead? It was just one of those days I woke up, made my usual pot of coffee, half decaf, half regular. I'm doing the Christmas blend, Starbucks. Doesn't have any like weird peppermint taste. It's like a normal dark roast coffee, but I don't know, spices and this. And I like it, but I do the mix of decaf and regular. Okay, so. I'm just not that hungry. So I just don't eat breakfast and then I kind of forget. And I'm not one of these, I forget to eat people because I love food, but I'm not a morning food person really. Um, unless I wake up starving but uh, because I didn't eat much the night before or something. But usually it's around, it's like more like 3 to 10 p.m. <clears throat> is when I got food on my mind. I just kind of forget I'm like meant to grab like a power bar to run out to the airport with. I totally forgot that I like got to the airport. I was going to get a bagel and then I just kind of forgot. Like I just kept forgetting until I got on the plane at one-ish and I was like, oh, I haven't eaten anything. And I've got all that coffee in my system. And so I grabbed some Cheez-Its on the plane when she was bringing them around. And I think, I I don't know, the flight was lurchy. It was, it was turbulent, but not in that steady bump way where it almost feels like you're just in a car on the road. It felt like, boom, like, oh, fuck. Suddenly you drop a little bit and your stomach would lurch like a like a roller coaster. And so at one point, I just literally felt my stomach jump. And I was like, oh, I'm going to throw up. And you get that horrible feeling that you, you know if you throw up, you'll feel instantly better. But it's like you just like have that five minutes where you're hoping it just goes away because you don't want to throw up but you can feel in your gut. Literally, the only thing that will take this feeling away is if I throw up. It's too late. This is not nausea. This is my stomach is reversing on itself. But the scary part is you don't know how long you'll be vomiting for. You know, if it's a quick bleh and you feel better, great. But what if it doesn't stop? So I got super lucky. I'm on JetBlue. I'm in the front row. It's not first class. They don't have a first class on the shorter flights. It's, you know, one of those smaller planes. And so, but I paid for the comfort seat or whatever. So I'm first seat on the aisle. There is no one directly next to me. And then across the aisle, the two seats, there's no one there. Uh, The flight was like half full. It was like 1990 up in here. I haven't been on a flight that's been half full ever. I mean, even recently, even during COVID. Or not during COVID. I mean, it's still COVID, but you know what I mean? Uh, When I flew post-vaccine in April when not a ton of people had been vaccinated, the flight was still full. Anywho. And the flight attendant was in her jump seat and she couldn't see me because I was behind the wall and nobody could see me next to me. And so I just grabbed that barf bag and just went in it. Just went in it. And I did feel better. It was not a keep vomiting all day long kind of thing. But I I sat there and I went, oh God, thank God I'm not touring. I gotta tell you guys, I, my, my friends are driving me fucking crazy. You're so good at stand up. Why are you stopping? It's like, I know I'm funny. That's not enough to make me want to perform. I first of all have to have jokes in my head. I haven't written a new one in two years. I'm sure you could. I don't want to. I know how writing works. I've been doing stand up for 25 years. The way I write is something pops into my head like a miracle and I go, fuck, I got to do something with this. And then I sit down to work on it and I work on it on stage. That's how I write. I'm not going to adopt a new way of writing and try to force things. When I sit down to talk, that's the podcast. 
But stand up is just something pops in my head or I experience something and I say, that would be funny on stage. Let me find a point of view for why I'm saying it because it's got to be more for me than just, oh, that sounds funny. I've got to find out why I want to talk about it. Can I relate it to something else? Does it remind me of this other thing I wrote down on a, on a note, you know, months ago? Does it all line up, right? My friends drive me crazy. Why? I can't believe you retired. I'm like, I retired from doing the road. It's not, I'm glad it wasn't totally my call. I kind of lost my fan base. I don't have enough fans to tour. I have to make a living. I'm almost 50. You want me going around the country to perform in comedy clubs where half the audience don't even know me and they just show up and they're drunk? Like, that's not the life I want. That's not a career, you know? And so I was like, I write for TV. Let's just stay in that world until it's too late because I'm already past the age of a desirable hire. That's how horrible the ageism in, um, well, it's not just Hollywood, in America is. So I do my retirement shows in Brooklyn last weekend. But my point is, when I had that puke moment on the flight, I realized I don't miss touring because you got to understand, you get on a plane, let's say you have a show in Seattle that night. So you live in LA, you get on a flight to Seattle. You're traveling on the same day you're doing your job that night. And it's not a big deal, what, two-hour flight? Fine. But if it's turbulent the whole way, which nowadays it usually is, what do I mean by nowadays? I'll tell you in a minute. You're on the verge of vomiting for two hours and maybe you do vomit. And don't drama mean my ass. It's not, it's at this point beyond drama mean. And I've got all my remedies and my ginger chews and all that. It's just, Look, turbulence is uncomfortable and you can't fucking get work done if you need to work on the plane. It's just awful. Then you're like, then you get in a car and you go from the airport to the hotel and you're a little car sick. And then you got like an hour and a half before the show and you got to get ready. And then it's just, I hate traveling on the same day, but you don't travel on the same day. Now you're paying two nights in a hotel. It's just, you start to siphon money that way. So I just didn't miss those little, I'm telling you, I didn't, I don't miss those little flights all over the country doing that 30 times a year. I just don't miss it. There's no option where you do it. What, just do it twice a year. You, then how do you make a living? It's all or nothing. And uh, I started to notice, I think it was maybe about 10 years ago, I started to notice every flight is turbulent now. It didn't used to be. And I don't know if it's climate change. I mean, it probably is, but I don't have any proof. But I did read an article about four years ago that said flights are going to get worse with climate change. Not more dangerous or anything like that, but just more bumpy. Um, flight cancellations will be more unpredictable. And these are the things I had to think about when I toured. If if I said to my agent, oh, I would love to go back to that club in whatever, some somewhere down south, or can you find me a small theater down south? Well, okay, here are the dates that are available. Late August, early September. Oh my God, that's hurricane season. Now I have to contend with, well, I might be driving through the South, you know, or I'm just making up the dates, but you know, I have to be like, okay, I don't want to drive during this season, during that season. And inevitably, a bunch of times in 2019, I'm driving around America during monsoons, rainstorms. There's just nothing you can do about it. You know, it just, I don't miss it. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. It's just not fun. I mean, it's just not fun. And all the little flights of the turbulence and the throwing up in a paper bag and then getting on stage three hours later. Oh, the travel is a lot. And I have a friend who has kids who goes, oh, I, I know you're complaining, but I would love to drive across Texas by myself. I mean, you don't appreciate it. I go, no, 
you do, I do appreciate it. I appreciated it the first two times I did it. The 10th time it gets a little old, especially when you're still driving your own rental car and you're not in a tour bus or, you know, like, yeah, okay, fine. Abandon your family and drive back and forth through Texas and let me know how it goes. Let me know if it's so amazing. Like everyone with kids thinks every single second would be so amazing. And I get it. It is. If you have kids, you have no fucking free time. You have no time to even have thoughts to yourself. I get it. When I'm that busy with work stuff, I literally have no choice but to get shit done. And I feel so untethered from myself when I do not have time to just take a minute and think straight. I am not saying it's the same as children, but I do relate to knowing how it feels to just go, fuck, I just need two days by myself without having anything to do. I get it. So I get that you think driving across Texas would be amazing, but not if it's for work. You go, no, no, but I mean, I would still appreciate those three. Okay, fine. Appreciate the three hours in the car, but then add into the fact that there's the added pressure that you absolutely have to get to this certain town that you're driving to. And if you have a panic or anxiety attack and you want to pull the car over, you want to stop for a while, you can't because you got to get there and make good time. Or now it's raining. I mean, yes, you're imagining having no kids and no wife or no husband um, with you and that you are driving through Texas and it's a beautiful day and you're listening to music and you feel the freedom. I get that, but it's not freedom when you're doing it for a job. Maybe the first time you do it and you think, oh my God, I don't have a boss. I'm not in a cubicle. The show is sold out. I'm going to make $5,000 tonight in one hour. And here I am driving. I get it. But it's not always like that. And again, you can only appreciate it because it's not your job. Now me, I could go, oh my God, have kids. I know what time they go to bed. I know what time they eat. I've got my wife or my husband taking care of me or helping with the chores, helping with the bills. I have a home, you know, I don't have to be like driving in a rainstorm in Texas, driving by Trump signs and car breaking down on the side of the road. I mean, that, that never happened, but oh, the Trump signs did, but not the car breaking down. But you go, oh, no, it's so much work, the kids and the husband and the wife and the, it's not always like that. And they don't always go to bed in time and blah, blah, blah. I go, okay, great. Then it's the same way with me driving through Texas. No, it's not. I'm like, oh, fuck. you can't fucking win. You can't fucking win with the people with kids with their weird fantasies about how your life is appealing to them. Now, let me tell you this. When I get to take a shower whenever I want and I get to just put on a podcast and wander around my apartment putting things away, folding laundry, yeah, oh, I get it. Those are the moments where I go, this is why I'm grateful to not have uh, – people in my home. And I get, you don't get to have that a lot when you have kids or at all. If I wanted to just go to a hotel one night and stay there for no reason, other than the fact that it's financially stupid to do that, uh, you would probably be envious of that. You, I can do whatever, whenever, because I don't have uh, a, a family of my own. That is true. You can be envious of that if you want, but please don't tell me you were envious of my driving a rental car through Texas. You, you are not allowed to be because you are not getting it right. If you want, if you go, no, 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 Jen, I love driving to a show that I don't know if it's sold out and not, and I, and I love not knowing if I'm going to make money that night. No, I love that. And I love driving and having like sort of an anxiety disorder and not being sure if I'm going to have a panic attack. No, I love that. Then I go, oh, okay, you can be jealous of my job. You can totally be jealous. But if you think my job is something it's not, that's when I got a problem. You know what I mean? Anywho, I threw up on a flight. All is well. I still love my apartment. It's a little, it's getting a little small. I mean, it, it is small. It's a, it's a, it's not quite a one bedroom. It's small. It's cute. But I think the layout kind of bothers me. The, it's like long and not wide. So it's sort of like I can have a couch in the living room area, but there's no room for a chair as well, you know? Um, it's a weird setup. But unlike other giant studios, it does have like a little alcove for the bedroom and like a little hallway. So, you know, you take the good, you take the both, the baby, the the facts on the... 
it's so weird that because I, there would have been a time where I think I would have been embarrassed. Like I'm 47, I live in a studio in New York City, but it's like I live in a brand new building in New York City. Studio apartments are still expensive. And yeah, this is just how it is in New York. And if people want to be like, oh my God, I would kill myself. To, I, I would hate that life. It's like, I love it. So, but, but something during the pandemic, I just felt less than like, oh, I didn't do life right. Why don't I have a yard? Why don't I have, and it's like, it's just not what I want. I love being in New York. At a certain point, I'm going to have to face the fact that I have a place in LA and I have to do something about it. I don't know. I, I, I have a feeling I'm going to, when my lease is up in this New York place, let my LA apartment go and renew this lease. Or if I do that, maybe I could even move into a slightly bigger place in this building. I don't know. I don't miss LA. I just miss my friends. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't been here long enough. It's It's been a month. I need I need more to know. But the weather, I love. I It can't be cold enough. It's, our, it's not cold enough for me. It's in the 40s right now. I find that to be very warm here on the East Coast, very humid. I'm sweating all the time. I need it to be like 20. I love freezing cold weather. Love. Anyway. So I went to see actually Colin Quinn's stand-up show uh, a couple weeks ago at the Lucille Lortel Theater on Christopher Street here in the village. And I'm a big Colin Quinn fan. I don't know if y'all's knew that. His uh, Netflix special, which was a Broadway show called New York Stories, is one of my favorite things in the world. I've just always been a fan. He's a lovely person. I don't know him that well, but I know him a little and when I was in New York City back in the Luna Lounge days of the 90s, he would come down and perform sometimes. And I only knew him as the news guy from SNL. And I actually didn't like him on SNL. I didn't like the way he did the news. He has this kind of stop, start way of speaking. He starts a sentence, doesn't end it. I have a very similar style of speaking in a weird way, but I didn't think it worked for the news. And I really missed Norm MacDonald. I thought he was the best one at it. So knowing only that from Colin Quinn and he showed up at Luna Lounge and was doing stories, I didn't think I was going to like him. And I absolutely loved his stuff. He was doing stories and growing up in New York and this and that and, you know, Catholic family or whatever. And I just, I don't remember much or anything. I mean, I think he said stuff about being Catholic or maybe it was being Irish. I'm not Irish. Everyone thinks I am. I don't know why I bristle at that. I don't mean to offend the Irish, but I'm just not Irish. We don't have even a lick of, I mean, I'm sure if I did a 23 and me, you know, you'd find all kinds of shit in there, but I'm Polish, German, French, Canadian. Um, so I've always been a fan. And what I like about him is he can hang out at the broy, douchey, comedy clubs in New York, but he does a theater show every year, mostly, for months and months in New York City. I think that's where he works his stuff out and then, you know, does stuff on the road, but he does theaters and he does these thoughtful one hours that have a theme and and I really like it. I like the way he does. I, it reminds me of exactly what I want for myself with stand-up, if that makes sense. He just does a theatrical show. But he has solid jokes. They're funny. And I just love his attitude. I, I don't know how else to explain it. I am such a fan. I was in just, I love being an audience member now. There, I'm telling you, there is something just so wonderful about not having to be on stage that I just love to sit in the audience and soak in other people who are performing. I'm not a huge fan of comedy, but I will always go see a Colin Quinn theater show. And so... I loved it. Super funny. But he was talking about these mafia podcasts and making fun of these guys that are like, 
yeah, so we killed that guy. Oh, hang on. Uh, you need to do Squarespace. You know, do your own online uh, website. And I was dying laughing because I didn't know if that was real. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. And then I found out, um, I tweeted at him, are there really mafia podcast. And he said, yeah, you want to start with a nice relaxing one. Listen to the Sammy, the bull podcast. So I'm not a mafia person per se. I don't like true crime. I don't like murdery stuff, but for some reason, see, I get a little OCD. I get a little freaked out by murder. And if you go back to my first album, self-help, I talk about, it's not so much that I'm afraid of being murdered. I'm afraid I'll snap and become a murderer. And then snap back and be like, what the fuck just happened? I became a murderer. You know, if you snap all the way and become a murderer and you stay snapped and crazy, great. But if you snap back and regret it, to me, that seems like a horrible feeling. So I don't want to get into the mind of any of these wackos that, you know, serial killers. I don't like any of that. Rapists. No, 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 no. But the mob, I don't mind because... There's a weird morality to the mob, or at least they think they have one. And the killing of people is always done regretfully. And it's always done, um, I mean, it's completely violent and stupid and immoral and dumb, but it's also, and I guess it does take a certain sociopathic mindset to be able to do it and just sort of not care. But you can understand the ritual of getting in the mob, working with them, and it's kill or be killed. It's if the boss tells you to do something and you don't, you're going to be dead. So it's sort of life and death, unlike being just a random serial killer. And there's always a reason. It's, I mean... By the way, I'm just talking about in the reality of this stupidity. It's like, well, Johnny snitched and so he's got to go because, you know, he's going to bring down the whole thing. If he, The only way to get rid of him is kill, you know. Like you're killing another person that's in the mob doing terrible things. You're not just like, oh, here's an innocent grandmother. This is the, I'm not defending the mob. I'm just saying why it doesn't freak me out to hear about it because I go, I don't even understand this world. All these people, they're just all in the same path. It's still stupid. There's innocent victims. You know what I'm saying. I hope you know what I'm saying. Anyway, so I was like, I think I'm going to listen to Sammy the Bull podcast. So, and with my job, um, there, I'm just trying to learn about a million different things that were like, like, I just have to learn about some mob stuff. And so I'm listening to this podcast and I don't know anything about, like, I know a little bit Cosa Nostra. Like, I know the five families and sort of a little bit, but I get confused who ran this? Who did that? I get that I can find this information. I know where to go to research it. It's not like, oh, please help me. I'm just saying I don't need to bother myself with knowing, but I went into listening to Sammy the Bull's podcast knowing absolutely nothing. I don't know which family he was with. I don't really understand. I still don't really totally understand it, but I find him to be so relentlessly charming. And it's just, it, I don't know if I'm just like a sucker for the New York accent. I just find it comforting. And in my um, $5 a month level people, you get a bonus, a 20 minute bonus this week. And I, I did an episode about the Cuomo brothers and all their scandals. And, you know, now the governor has resigned and Chris, Chris Cuomo was fired, but it's like, I knew they were both full of shit, like not great people, but I decided I wanted to believe in them because I just love the accent. <laughs> but with Sammy the Bully, he's like, He'll be telling these stories 
of like, and then the boss told me to kill this guy. And I said, I, you know, this guy was my mentor. I had to kill him, you know? And I go up to him and I says, you know, you know, you're going to die, but I'm going to do real classy, real nice. I mean, just the way it's like, like he's saying, uh, you know, we're going to do a dinner, real classy, real nice. Like he's selling you a, uh, package deal at a restaurant. Like you want to have your wedding here? Great. We do something real classy, real nice. <laughs> Take you out back, shoot you in the head. You're going to be face down. I mean, literally saying, and he's like, and then I cried. I mean, it is so bizarre, the reality that he's wrapped his head around. And, you know, I know he went to jail for just a, a little bit, but I he told the interesting story of how he found out John Gotti was ratting him out and then kind of the scales fell from his eyes and he's like, fuck all these people, I'm leaving, you know, blah, blah, blah. But within his world of the mob, he has his own morality, which I'm fascinated with. I'm fascinated with when people make up their own morality. And I think it's because, well, I think it's just because it's fascinating, but I do remember my mom and I like walking through the North end of Boston and, you know, it's like where all the Italian restaurants are, the Italian district, that's like mob central in in Boston or one of the mobs. And my mom would go, you know, a lot of the graves here, a lot of mob is buried here. And, you know, they still went to church and they they said they were sorry at the last minute. So I don't think they could be in heaven. I mean, it's just this weird morality. You know what Sammy the Bull's like, I got a house in the country because I'm a family guy and on the weekends, you know, just it's all about my family. It's just so funny to me. And yet Sammy the Bull sounds like a better family guy than half these dads on Twitter who've got a husband and father to three daughters in their Twitter bio. And then they're just like harassing women on Twitter all day. It's like, but see, I have this weird thing where I completely fall for the charm of Sammy the Bull. And then I think, I think I could be in the mob. I mean, I don't want to kill anyone, but I think I could be in the mob. I think I would do a good job. And I think if they just never asked me to kill anyone, I would, I would totally... It's really just someone craving a community, you know, and it's like, I have friends, I have my community at work, you know, you go into work and it's like, we're the writers and we've got our own language and we've got our own thing and, you know, but it's like, there is that kind of, you you don't realize that's all it is that, that you're craving is is just, oh, I just want a little bit of community and inside jokes and, you know. But it's like, yeah, well, I, I have that as a TV writer. And that's probably a lot safer than joining the mob. I don't know. I'm just completely won over by his charms. I don't understand what he's talking about half the time. I cannot keep any of the names straight. It's just not how my brain works. But I like more of the stories of, oh, he was in witness protection and he lived in Colorado and he's like, oh, I love Boulder. It's a one you see young kids, it's boys on skateboards, it's kids going to college and just real vibrant, you know, beautiful mountains. It just, I don't know why that makes me laugh. Like I, it's like you cannot get through your head that people are in the mob. They're also well-rounded people that have families. They also enjoy uh, you know, nature scenes. And it I guess it just comes off as charming, even though it's completely, you know, the whole thing's completely psychotic. But I never was really that into The Sopranos because I just don't like random violence. Um, you know, I've seen plenty of episodes. I've seen The Godfather. I've seen Goodfellas. I, just, I don't like to watch violence, but... I don't know. There's just something about... I just, I really am a fan of that bravado. Like, I'll take care of it. <laughs> oh, God. Speaking of things, I don't even know what I was going to say. I was going to say, speaking of community, there was a snowstorm in an Ikea. This sounds fun. Okay, so this is from December 5th. Ikea manager describes fun sleepover after a massive snowstorm strands 31 people in the giant furniture store. A man lies in They show a bed. This guy has no shirt on. Like, come on, dude. A man lies in an Ikea showroom bed in Alberg, Denmark, as the store manager, Pete Elmos, looks on. A snowstorm left about 25 workers and six customers stranded overnight in an Ikea store in Alberg, Denmark. See, that's fun if you're the customer. If you're the worker, it's like, 
you know, your boss is like, hey, you know what? If you have time to sleep in the beds, you got time to clean. (laughs) Okay, let's start brainstorming for, you know, it's like you probably still have work to do. Let's shovel the driveway. But if you're the customer, you have to do shit. Oh my God, how fun is that? I don't eat the meatballs at Ikea. I don't eat meat, but I also don't think I'd eat the meatballs there even if I didn't. They got ice cream though. You get get a little ice cream. Oh, anyway, after 12 inches of snow rapidly fell, those trapped inside the store had an impromptu sleepover on Wednesday night. I guess 12 inches is a lot, right? That's a foot. I mean, I'm just trying to remember back in my blizzard days. Yeah, I guess you're not going to drive in that. Okay. It was a once in a lifetime experience, the Ikea store manager said, I've been working in Ikea and I've never experienced this before. He said the group spent the evening watching TV, playing card games, and eating food in the cafeteria before retiring to bed in the showroom displays. I love that. That part sounds super fun. He said they brought in sofas from the living room section and watched Christmas movies and a Liverpool-Everton soccer match using a big projector. We had hot cinnamon buns, hot chocolate, and coffee. There was even some beer. Oh, my God. What is better than hot cinnamon buns? dipped in hot chocolate. He said, during the evening, three women who worked at a store in the neighborhood came and asked to shelter with them. They heard on the news that we were in this Ikea, and so they walked 700 meters in the snowstorm and knocked on the door. Everybody was actually calm, and we were able to make it nice and cozy. Our values are to take care of each other, and so we had a nice time and enjoyed the evening. Around 11 p.m., members of the group chose where they wanted to sleep, having their pick of Ikea's vast showroom of beds and sofas. Everybody found a nice and comfortable bed and could test and try out our range. Uh, The manager woke them up for coffee and more cinnamon buns in the morning and gifted each customer with a free pillow. Uh, The pillows are like the worst thing at Ikea. I have an Ikea pillow on my couch. It's like not that great. Um, As a memento for the memorable experience. That's it. You get one pillow. I'd be like, fill up a fucking cart. Like, what if one pillow? I guess that's more of a memento than just giving someone a bunch of shit, but come on. In the morning, of course, we changed the bed linens, bedspreads, and it was ready for customers at 10 o'clock. That is so cute. I, I think that that would be a cool romantic comedy. Two customers get stranded in Ikea overnight and they fall in love. And it could even be two exes are back in their hometown at Christmas and they get snowed in and they were like going to pick up something for their family last minute. Wait, why am I saying this out loud? I'm, that's a totally good idea. I'm writing that down. I'm pitching that. Two exes get stranded in a... Ikea type store in a snowstorm and are forced to bond. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Would you like this? Write to me. I seem fun at gmail.com and I'll read your email on air. Let me know if that's something you'd be interested in. You got to write to me soon though, because I'm going to record the next episode in like two days. So if you can, if you hear this on Thursday and you can get the email to me by Friday, get it in. Otherwise, it's probably going to miss out. Speaking of emails. I've got some listener emails here. Prep, ep, ep, prep. Here we go. Oh, by the way, Teslas are a fucking mess. I was reading an article about it. Their brakes are just breaking for no fucking reason. Like the car will just break as you're driving. And they're just really shitty. I'm not saying they're not safe. Like, oh, watch out if you have a Tesla. But there's been so many articles about they're having server outages. It's just like, I fucking hate Elon Musk and I'm all for electric cars, but I've never liked Tesla and I've never wanted to have one. And I know people paid like a hundred grand for them. You know, I don't know them well, but there's like a couple people in my orbit that are like super fancy TV executives. I'm just like, what are you doing? Why are you paying this much for a car? You know, before they're even kind of tested literally, but I mean like tested 
as something in the marketplace for a long time. I swear to God, there's a movie in like terrorists break into the server of not all electric cars, but like a big electric car company and they just make all the cars crash. And Elon Musk, you know, he's kind of like the villain. Is he secretly in on it? You know, I this, that's something I don't trust. I swear to God, he's like a villain that wants to make everything electric so that he can then sell for more money uh, the codes to some, I don't know, foreign nation that as our adversary, and then they're going to break into the system and make everything crash. That's my movie that I should write if I enjoyed writing those kind of movies. But all for electric cars, if I go back to, you know, if, when my lease is up next year, and if I'm like going to stay in LA more, I, I will switch for a, an electric of a different brand. But I don't know about that Elon Musk, not a fan. Maybe stop with the rocket ships, fix your cars, dude. Anyway, let's get to the listener emails. Jen. I'm, uh, I thought about writing a few weeks ago because I needed advice. I thought it might be a good question for an advice or listener email episode if you were to do another, but then I realized I just didn't have time to wait for advice. I had to look within. I made lists. I talked to people. I tried to discover what I really wanted. I also asked myself, WWJD, Jen, not Jesus. I'm sure you got that. I really didn't. I mean, I, I get it, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would ask me before Jesus. Well, you know what my mother would say. Don't, Jesus isn't good with advice. So the dilemma was I was offered a two-year job contract in Portland, Oregon at an animation studio. It would mean leaving Toronto and my family, friends, cat, my new apartment, art studio, work connections, in short, my whole life. I'm 38. I want to meet someone and have a family. And part of me felt that I'm not at the right stage in life to uproot myself. Also, I've had a couple years of rocky mental health and have clung to cultivating stability and routine in my life I'm doing a lot better since changing meds and I'm cautiously optimistic. I had a feeling that if I didn't take this opportunity to live in another part of the world, I'd regret it. The job offer is pretty good money-wise, not amazing, so that couldn't sway me too strongly one way or the other. People kept telling me to listen to my gut. Well, when's, when one's gut is typically knotted up by anxiety, that can be a f- confusing way to gauge feelings and make decisions. My desire to go became evident because I kept thinking and talking about it despite the discomfort it caused me. In the end, I got about 70% excited about the idea of going and I accepted the job. The other 30% is the ever-present fear that I'm making the wrong decision and incredible grief at the thought of leaving. I'm also going through the visa process, which is tedious at best and causes some misgivings about the whole deal. I'm pretty sure if I had asked, you'd say, yeah, just go for it. It's two years. Anyway, I felt like telling you, I hope the bi-coastal life is treating you well so far, Nikki. See, I don't know what I would tell you to do, but I would tell you my own experience with something similar. First of all, when we rattle off reasons we don't want to leave something, you go, my family, my cat, my whole life, my connections. And I would ask people when they're casually listing things off, like you can make a case. If you, whatever you want to do, you can change the narrative and make a case. All my life is here. Or... My same old, same old life is here. I need something new. So when you're saying work connections, this, this, that, I would, this is just to anyone listening, obviously, Nikki, you've made your decision, but to anyone listening who has a decision like this to make, if you're going to list off my apartment, my art studio, my connections, really list them out and then list within that uh, okay, your friends are there. Are your friends would they leave? Are they doing their own thing? In other words, do they have the exact same kind of life as you? Um, Can they bring you more of what you want? Do they have extended other outreach communities in the sense that like they could introduce you to the love of your life? Or are they just like, oh, my married friends that have kids? You know, like are those dead ends in terms of like, not dead ends, but they'll always be there. Yeah, you might have to make, make new friends, but they're solid, solid relationships. You can visit them, they can visit you, or at the very least you can Zoom, right? Like how, you know, do you really make decisions based on these people? No, right? Cat can come with you, family can't, but maybe the cat can't come with you. I don't know. 
But if it's like art studio, work connections, you like really make a true honest list. Are these connections lost? Um, are the connections I'm going to better? You know, just really drill down. The whole notion of, um, I understand I'm 38. I want to meet someone. I'm not at the right stage in life to uproot myself. I think it's sort of like, that's where we got to get into the faith and the mystery of life, which is like you, so far, if you haven't met the right person, um, you know, try something new in the sense of let life take you where you need to go. Maybe that person's in Toronto. Maybe, I mean, maybe they're in Portland, maybe they're not, but maybe there's something about the energy of trusting that will eventually bring someone to you as opposed to thinking you know and keeping it small. You know, I don't know. I think it's a very real concern, but I actually truly believe if you're at a certain age and you want to meet someone and have a family, um, I I just, just kind of the way my mind works, I don't, it's really hard to know where that person is going to pop up. And so for me, staying or going somewhere would hold the same amount of possibilities. And I'm not trying to be Pollyanna. It's that like, how the fuck could I possibly guess? It's like for me, trying to guess what cities are going to sell the most tickets in advance. I cannot base it on anything that's happened in the past. So if I've <clears throat> met all of my relationships in Los Angeles, I still don't know if the next one is going to come from there. You know, um, if I sold out San Francisco last year, well, does that mean no one's going to come this year? I, I can't, it's like trying to guess. And like, you just can't, you know, you just have to apply yourself wherever you live. And, you know, you could still date in Toronto. You could set your dating app if you do such a thing to Toronto and chat with someone and just be a little vague about it and be like, I'm in Portland for a while. And do some Zoom dates. And if it's like really going well, like fly out to some, you know what I mean? Like, I just think the possibilities are endless. And I think, I think that one, um, plus we never know how we're going to have a family. You could adopt, you could whatever, you could meet someone that already has a kid and you fall in love with the kid. Like, I'm more like, let the universe tell me what's going to happen on that. Uh, that's just how I think. In terms of like, oh, just go. I, I mean, I'm not totally like that. Um, I totally get the mental health thing. So when I quit my job at Mrs. Maisel years ago, I felt like I'd come through a really hard mental health thing. I had this huge breakup. I was tired. I was touring. I felt really like I was just working too much. I was on tour. I was writing TV shows. I was touring. I was doing Netflix stuff. I mean, it's all good, but I was like, I can't do this all at once. It's just too much. And um, I felt really untethered and I didn't know it because I, I, like I was living in Airbnbs and moving once a month for this job that I had to be in New York for six to seven months out of the year, but the months weren't necessarily consecutive, nor were the weeks. And I felt like I would come home at night to someone else's stuff. And when you're in your forties, that's like pretty overwhelmingly not that fun. And I was having a hard mental health time and I was not with my regular therapist and I was or not even in therapy. I was like talking to her on the phone sometimes. It just had this, someone said to me, we are untethered and you made like an untethered decision, you know? And so I thought leaving, I'll go to LA, I'll live in LA, I'll have that stability. And then I got back to LA and realized the stability is not anything to do with where I live. I mean, in one sense it is. You're going through some mental health things. You got your therapist lives there. You can see them in person. You have your friends. You can go to like whatever group, support groups you go to. If you go to 12-step meetings, I get it. But I don't know. It, it just, I made the wrong choice. But there was no way, like you said, when your gut is completely wound up and someone says, check, check your gut. You just, you can't, not everyone can rely on their gut. A lot of people with anxiety, a lot of people with ADHD, a lot of people with unregulated emotions. I have all three. I can't always make a gut decision. Sometimes we confuse gut for rash. Uh, gut is usually quieter and more knowing, kind of like what you said, where it's like, well, I can't really stop talking about it. 
I think the 70% excited is a really good way to look at it. We're never going to be 100%. But just knowing that nothing's permanent, if that makes sense. You can always leave, even though it seems impossible. It's just like, and you can give me a thousand reasons why you can't. No, there's a contract. No, I get it. But like, you're not in prison. So like when compared to that, it's like, oh yeah, well, I guess compared to prison, I have freedom, you know? Um, For me, it would always be worth getting the opportunity to have a visa to another country. I don't know how long that that buys you citizenship. I mean, it's funny because I'm more looking to get out of America when I'm thinking about, oh my God, I'd love to have a visa somewhere else and just get the fuck out of here because I'm afraid of the 22 and 20. 24 election, but um, yeah, I don't know. So I think you made the right decision because it sounds like you just, it sounds like you just, you're going with what you feel, which is like 70% excited. And you knew that, you know, sometimes we have to do something because the not knowing would drive us more crazy. Um, even if it doesn't end up being the right decision overall, like even if in two years, you're like, oh, I wish I didn't do that. It's kind of like there was nothing else you could have done at the time, but make that decision. That's how I felt about the job I quit a couple of years. Cause it's like, I wish I didn't in so many ways, but I don't know how else I would have made that decision at the time. I was not capable of making uh, the decision to stay in New York. Um, but I think that's a great point when, when our gut is all tied up in knots, um, I think listening to our gut is tough. I think pro and con lists are amazing. Just write the true pros and cons of each decision. And even if they're fantasy ones, like the pro of staying in Toronto is I'm going to meet the love of my life and and make a star next to it if you think, well, I, don't, I can't prove that. You know, whereas a pro of living in Toronto would be, it snows every December and I like it. You know, that's like a fact that you can hold on to, you know, or I like this building I live in. Like these are facts. Um, and then it's like, make another list. It's like what I want for my life in the next five years. You know, what I'm willing to put up with, what I'm absolutely not willing. You know, it's like making a lot of lists. It's like when I, when I try to wrestle with a decision and it just stays in my head, it's like, it's like holding a million items at the grocery store and refusing to get a basket. Like once you drop everything in the basket, you have more freedom to move around. Once I put things on paper, that's the basket in this scenario. What I think changes. I write it down and I feel differently about something right away. When I'm wrestling with it in my head, it I cannot get a grasp of how I really feel. So for me, pro and con lists, pros and cons lists is the thing. So uh, I asked someone what their holiday plans were. Uh-oh. This one does involve Portland, Oregon again. Jen, here are my holiday plans in two words. Staying away. Earlier this year, I was actually making some inroads with my evangelical Christian Trump-supporting family, mom, dad, sister, and brother-in-law. We hadn't talked politics in years, and my parents got the vaccine. I assumed my sister and brother-in-law did also, because we chatted about it this summer, and they told me how some of their friends were anti-vax and how silly that was. Well, on the phone with my mom last weekend, she told me that my sister, brother-in-law, and their kids all got covid Oh, no, I said. Well, at least they were vaccinated. Oh, they weren't vaccinated, my mom replied. They didn't want to get the vaccine because they were skeptical of it. My head then exploded. Then, to fully complete their bingo cards, they asked their doctor to prescribe ivermectin to them, which the doctor would not give them. They got it over the internet somehow. My mom decried the fact that the doctor would not prescribe it to them, literally literally saying, I thought we lived in America and is refusing to go back to this doctor. My mom is a retired cardiac care nurse who has worked in the medical field her entire career. She should know better, but that's the world we live in now. We are living in a country where 30 to 40% of people are basically in a cult. There's also cult-like behavior on some of the far left. And believe me, I see it for myself where I live in Portland, Oregon, but I digress. So I'm staying away this holiday season. I can't do it. I don't have enough gas in the mental health 
tank. Kevin. P.S. I'm 100% supportive of all your plans regarding your podcast. Remaining a proud Patreon subscriber. Thank you, Kevin. Oh my God, Kevin, that sounds like a nightmare. Stay away, stay away, stay away. I can't even, I thought we lived in America and the fact that she was a nurse. Oh my God, I can't take. I literally can't take it. I can't take it on behalf of you guys. Oh my God, how funny is it? So we'll end on this. Somebody sent me this email. This is about the mob. I totally forgot this email was here. Isn't it great when the universe does like a... Jen, I thought you might enjoy this article. The link is further down below. I did click it, but it took me to some weird site where like you needed a passcode to get in and it was like, it looked like a student like run thing where you had to have an account. I don't know. Anyway, it said... Uh, I thought you might enjoy this article about the current state of the mob and how the younger generations are ruining it with their inability to be hands-on and sensible. This quote made me laugh, and Gen X are the last good mobsters. Quote, a new generation of wise guys didn't properly learn the business, according to former government investigators. Older members complain that the millennials who grew up in the suburbs instead of city streets are softer, dumber, and not as loyal as mobsters of the past. Plus, they're always texting. (laughs) Everything is on the phones with them, said a former maid member of the Colombo family. One Colombo associate is accused of sending threatening texts to a union official over extortion collections. Hey, this is the second text. There isn't going to be a third, the associate wrote, according to court records from Lisa. Oh my God. So fucking funny. Well, there you go. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Please join my Patreon because this podcast is going Patreon only in January 2022. You will only get the first 20 minutes of every episode starting then. I explain it all on the, uh, one of, I don't know, one of the last episodes I dropped. Anyway, until next week. Have fun. Have fun.